Hi guys, welcome back to the Earthly Lights podcast. Um, today, as you can see in the title, we're going to be talking about the coronavirus uh, and its effects, what we're doing to keep sane and um, what maybe we can learn from this whole uh, saga. But obviously, before we get going with any of that, we have to start with what's the crack, especially in these hard times. So Jim, what is the crack? How are you doing? What's up, man? Um, strange times, yeah. Yeah. Uh... It's uh, it's hard to put one one or two words on it. It's just uh, it's it's particularly strange seeing um, people who are being put in a scenario that they hadn't been in before. Like I, uh, for instance, my dad. Okay, my my dad was talking to um, a woman he met who he knows her for like twenty years, but he met her at the park. We were at the park yesterday, and. Um, he said something along the lines of, ah, yeah, there's no shame, as in, because so many people have lost their jobs, they're currently unemployed now. He's like, ah, there's no shame in it anymore. And it was funny because I was only telling you that I would like to do a podcast on shame a few weeks ago when I felt shame about <laughs> applying for the dole, you know? Mm. And it's just, it's funny how once, uh, for a lot of people, once something is more widespread, then they accept it. You know, for instance, if my dad lost a job yesterday and it wasn't the coronavirus, should he have been feeling more shame? But it's more it's it's more that now he knows that so many people that he knows is unemployed that he's like, oh, yeah, there's no shame. And that's fine. Yeah, that's that's what everyone's up to right now. And uh, like, it's great for people to have that uh, to rely on, because obviously people, a lot of people view their jobs as, you know, their reason to get up in the morning and you know their means of paying bills and stuff and when they lose that they may i think the society we live in will then lead lead many to feel some kind of inadequacy but it's interesting that's that's one of the real um poignant things that i've taken from the last few days like it it, it is a nice kind of togetherness yeah 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 for sure yeah it's um it's brought us it's weird because it's kind of um brought us together even though we've been literally mandated to stay apart that's what's actually brought us together as a country as a as a continent and maybe even as a as a planet you know um it's weird i've i'm um a bit down to be honest just because I've been at home now for like 16, 17, 18. I've actually just lost count around that region just, just over two weeks. And when I say I've been home, I mean, I haven't left the house. Well, that's a lie. I've left the house to empty the bins once. Uh, and that's it. And, um, it's draining because in Madrid we're not you know, in Spain, it's not like England or I think the UK uh, or Ireland where I think you're allowed out once a day to do exercise. We're not allowed out whatsoever unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, so obviously doing the right thing, which is staying at home. Um, so hopefully that we can get this over with before right, sooner rather than later. But that being said, staying at home the whole time is really hard work. Um, got the news recently uh, that we're going, the company that I work for is going to start a process called an ERTE, which is basically in Spain, it's a, it's a legal process, which what it means is they will reduce your hours uh, and, and they'll pay you, you know, the subsequent hours that you're working. So we're going under massive reduction. So um, instead of working 
eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, which would be 100% of the time. Obviously, um, they've reduced my hours to sev- from they've reduced my hours 70%. So I'll be only working two and a half hours a day. So I'm only working 30% of the time wow. I would normally be working. Wow. Yeah. And uh, which means I in? only get soon, I think. We don't know quite yet because all the paperwork gets to get, has to get done, but soon. Um, and that means I only get 30% of pay. There's some help from the government. We don't know what it, that quite means yet. How much I'll get paid after the, you know, after I get the thirty percent from the company and the whatever it is from the government. Um, I'm not. I'm trying not to worry too much. My big kind of cure to keeping, um, to keeping sane is uh, is keeping things in perspective. That's what really helps me. It's just a personal thing. I've kind of found that always gets me out of my slumps just to kind of recognize that a lot of people have it worse off. And luckily, even though maybe my job isn't as secure as it once was, Louise's job, she's been told that she won't be losing her jobs nor will her hours be reduced and that she's got a renewal for the next year. So among the two of us, we'll be able to cover rent. And, you know, I don't have kids to pay for or anything like that. So... I'm just trying to keep positive by keeping in perspective. Um, Yeah, exactly. So, so this is what, yeah, so I'm just trying to keep positive in that sense, but I can't lie. It's a bit of a downer. Um, And staying at home for so long has has been a bit of a downer, but there's a couple of things I've been doing intermittently, maybe not with as much, you know, as as much as I should be doing, but, um, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. So I guess, I guess the, the best thing to do is just to get into the main segment and then we can talk about those things. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, so this is going to be like a two-part um, podcast where this first off, we're just going to talk about things that we've been doing or we've seen people doing to keep kind of uh, on top of their shit. Uh, and then the second part of the podcast, we'll be talking about things that maybe we, as a society, as uh, as a as a people, that we can learn from this episode and maybe take forward to make the world a slightly better place, hopefully, trying to keep things positive. So the first thing that I uh, have been doing um which has kept me uh positive is reading books man i've um taken this opportunity to read books not audio books not that and i love audio books but i found that because i'm always on a screen uh be it with work or you know the, the typical thing netflix um netflix youtube and then you obviously with your mobile just constantly refreshing the feed just to watch films and stuff is just not relaxing and to have an audio book it doesn't um need 100 percent of my focus whereas if i have a hard actual book in my hand then i need to have 100 percent focus as i read those pages so i started off reading um 365 days past the um traffic lights which is by our future guest rose yavna taylor and that was um really really good book it was i think she did it really well especially as like you know she's not an established writer i think it was really good it's funny because i kind of felt like i knew her i mean we've had a, a back and forth before beforehand obviously getting her onto the podcast but it's kind of weird now because i feel like once once we do sit down to have the podcast i'll i feel like i'll know this stranger <laughs> fairly um uh fairly kind of intimately so which, like your, <laughs> which like is your weird. favorite hip-hop artist 
yeah it feels like i know her deepest darkest secrets which i, I said to her i was like it's really weird because i feel like i know you and uh if i walk past you on the street i probably wouldn't even recognize you so it's, it's, a, it's a weird one but it's a really good book so i mean fair play to her and i think i think it's really useful for anyone who's kind of gone through um grief or has a friend who's going through grief who maybe just wants to learn how you can better support that friend or you know anything to do with grief if you're interested in that topic any way shape or form uh, I really recommend the book 365 Days Past the Traffic Lights by Rose Yavna Taylor. Um, and it's really, it's, it's short. That was my one complaint to her. It's my one gripe. I said, it's too short. I wanted it to be longer. I, I did it in two days, which was unfortunate. <laughs> I realized, I realized I should have rationed it out. Um, <laughs> but it kind of like the chapters kind of led on to each other in a good way. Mm-hmm. And so kind of just forcing myself to stop seemed, kind of stupid and so before i knew it that book was over and done with which is unfortunate did she uh, she give any hint of of a possibility of a sequel man i told her i said i was like you should uh let me what's my math here 365 days times to 730 i think is that correct so i was like mate i was like you should do like a 730 or 1090 day past the traffic lights and she was like, it's funny. I've actually, in a weird way, have been thinking about the sequel, but she's not too sure yet. I don't think it's set in stone. But I was like, I would I would definitely recommend doing so. I don't know. She, I think she, she writes well. She brings things into perspective well. Um, and I think her ultimate goal, she achieved it because, it, you know, it's funny. I feel like we're kind of kindred spirits. You and I with her because she start she wrote that book because she was a young person who had gone through something and she just couldn't find the material from someone else who was young. So she decided to take it up on her own shoulders to write that book. And I kind of feel like that's the same reason we started this podcast, you know, is that we're two young guys who have gone through our own separate things and we couldn't find podcasts that, that did that for us that had a you know young host talking about the problems that we were going through so we started that podcast and so we we kind of did our own personal projects for the exact same reason i think anyway so um so no i really i really enjoyed the book man i can't i can't and i know you're going to read it soon as well for sure maybe for sure so so i'll be interested to hear your thoughts when you get around to doing that but i really enjoyed it and then since then i've just they came today actually so i'm looking forward to getting started i got um I got uh, two books about uh, Amer- um, Indian, American Indians, or Native Indians. I'm not sure which is the, I think it's Native Indians. Uh, one called Native Americans, Native Americans, <laughs> whatever. Native, the Native people, people know what I'm saying. Look, I don't think we have many listening to the podcast, so hopefully there's no one offended. Um, but uh, yeah, Bury My Heart, A Wounded Knee, and the other one is Empire of the Summer, Summer Moon. So that should be interesting, just uh learn about something i don't really know much about to be too honest um and then i've got one which is maybe a bit more linked to this podcast which is called this too shall pass stories of change crisis and hopeful beginnings which seems quite apt with this coronavirus thing hopefully how did you come across the book were you just I, searching I, like how are we going to get through this <laughs> no i went I, I always do the same thing when i'm in need of books um it's I always go on Waterstones, go on their website, see what they recommend, and then buy it from there. So um, they recommended this, it's, and I was like, "Hmm, I like, I prefer nonfiction." So that was it. This was in the bestsellers nonfiction section. Went on to it, and then it's basically um, what it's about is this uh, 
I think she's called Julia Summers. Let me just double check that. Julia Samuel. Sorry, Julia Samuel. And uh, she's a psychotherapist or psychiatrist. And basically what she does is she just kind of, um, I haven't read the book, obviously this is just a synopsis, but she kind of re- she um, writes about her cases with her clients. Obviously I'm, I'm assuming that there's no names given or if there are, there'll be pseudonyms to protect privacy. But um uh, and they're basically all they, they, obviously the cases vary from you know people coming out to a woman deciding whether she should leave her husband for a younger lover to a man a father getting to terms with a terminal illness so there's you know there's a whole host of different just life stories really and um i'm i'm assuming i don't have read the book like i say but i'm assuming maybe from reading those life lessons i'm not sure if she comes to a conclusion at the end of each story or or what but Hopefully, I can learn from some of those stories, if not all of them. Definitely, um, man. Definitely. And put, again, put things into perspective. So, man, just yes. on that note, I remember I was, I, there's this three part series on YouTube called Human. And it's basically a huge comp- compilation of interviews with people from all over the world uh, talking about three themes. And I think it's like love happiness and loss or something love happiness and death or something like this and like you said it's like when you hear about other people's stories and how they're dealing with it or their perspective on it it always helps particularly when you're in a row and particularly when you can't really seek these perspectives in person <laughs> yeah 100 <laughs> yeah. I, I i you know i don't know any psychotherapists uh, in person so and I'm sure that most of them wouldn't even talk to you about their cases for privacy reasons. So it's kind of good to get the, you know, obviously she's a professional uh, in this background, so she knows what she's talking about. And then obviously she's got a whole wealth of experience hearing these stories. So I'm looking forward to getting to getting around to reading that those three books and hopefully they kind of last um, till the end of this coronavirus um piece of shit so so that's me uh is there anything that you do in particular like i know you kind of only fairly recently gone into lockdown but is there something that you're doing at home to maybe keep you in in tip-top shape basically man i get up at um, pretty much the same time every day um I, i leave the house for a while do some exercise come back do some meditation have a cold shower <laughs> and then that usually psychopath <laughs> absolute psychopath <laughs> and that usually puts me in good nick honestly i've never i've never done i've never done those three things and not felt pretty good um and then i don't know i guess i've been kind of taking the decision to maybe lay off or lay away from a lot of the news because i just think finding out how many more cases we have and how many more deaths probably isn't the best for us particularly yeah that's just yeah that's just, no it's just my opinion See, actually that that's a weird one i was going to agree with you until right until the very end because i was gonna say oh yeah i don't watch the news either because i don't watch the news um but there's this dashboard that i log into every day which shows like worldwide cases and like you can click on each country like it's a world map and you can click on each country and then it will show you like how 
many cases there are and like how many deaths there are so up until the point of you not watching the news i'm with you about not knowing how many cases are i'm completely opposed i know i have an update in my head like in fact like i've got it up here actually as we're talking because like hmm, this might come into handy as we're talking about coronavirus but yeah like the u.s for example went up by about twenty thousand in one day which is pretty fucking peak so um yeah i mean like no i i i, I have a pretty rough idea of it you can't get away from it because it's just on the papers or uh, let me test you let me test you island how many have you got in total yeah in, cases in total we have around a thousand right now and we have uh wrong incorrect no uh-uh. what we are? 1819 yeah but to be fair you're doing well on the death count i think we've like 20 19. deaths yeah 19 all oh, close there close yeah, yeah. you've recuperated 19 there yeah spain spain were absolutely fucked um spain I mean, comparatively compared to Ireland, we're talking 64,059 cases uh, and 4,934 deaths, which is pretty astounding. Uh, and it, then it, it was funny Italy, that, obviously, even worse. I was, well, I was reading or watching something the other day and uh, why I kind of disagree, not disagree, where I just am less concerned with the numbers is because the more you think about statistics, I think often you, the less you think of the actual, not, not even this book, me personally, like when I hear stats, it's, it's harder for me to then just think, oh, that's, that's this amount of people. That's this amount of Yeah, family. to humanize them. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, like, yeah, the, I don't know, uh, the, the increase and not just the over use of statistics or just the emphasis on statistics can often drain the human or the the part of you that wants to empathize with the story it's very hard for me to empathize with the fact that just this, this is the amount of people that got cases and this is the amount of thing i mm. um and so yeah i mean i've heard of stories and I, I know countless people that have lost their jobs and i feel for them and but i mean much like my perspective on a bigger thing i think it's very important to stay informed but until until what extent and that that's obviously up to each person but for instance i mean i think it's important to learn about your certain area and then the small maybe small politics or cultural things that are going on sport and events but then the more and more you find out further fields further the things that you can control i think it's very easy to then feel kind of hopeless or um a little uh i don't know not not useless but you know i don't know it's it's hard for me to formulate i just i just know that the, i think the best thing for for me that, that i can do is just to do the things that i know make me feel better and mm. to st- stay informed to a certain extent i mean i'm, I'm keeping my distance from people um uh, and yeah, I, I I just I understand why people are like, oh my god, you see this person got it, and this person got it, and this person got it. But I I'm kind of I'm just trying to be strict on okay, is this gonna make me feel better or is this not? And then if it's not, I think yeah. I think with me, like what I did um, for a lot of it was like at the beginning, I just accepted that we were all gonna get it basically and then it was just like oh okay well so if we accept the fact that basically all of us are going to get it or the last large majority of us are going to get it that doesn't mean we're all going to die from it obviously um then it's just easier because the thing is with these numbers as well you've got to like take into account that 
this is only for people who are tested, you know, and the vast majority of people who are tested are the rich and the famous. Um, and when you think the rich and the famous probably are the ones who have the best health care, the best like circumstances to kind of avoid coming into contact with the general public, you've got to think that the people who can't necessarily avoid that or who live in like really, um, uh, really kind of um, densely populated areas and stuff like that, you the chance are you're probably going to get it. You know, like one of my friends, uh, Ollie, he, he has he lost his sense of taste and smell completely like he can breathe fine so it's not a question of like oh he's got a cold you know it's not one of those things he's like completely just lost his say um sense of taste and smell but everything else is fine and so when you look at it, you read up on coronavirus it seems that that's like a telltale sign like almost 100 percent. so if i was to bet my bottom dollar i would probably bet that my mates got it However, obviously he's doing the sensible thing. He's self-isolating. He's staying at home. And, you know, he's a young guy. Hopefully he's not one of those rare cases of young people who do actually get really um, negatively affected by this. Because I think there's that is something that we should kind of highlight, that people seem to think that it's only if you're 80 years old you should be worried. But there are stories of people who, you know, there's a 31-year-old Olympic swimmer from South Africa who was like almost on his deathbed. I think he's got through it now. But I mean, if an Olympic swimmer can get through, can get negatively affected by it, then I think anyone else is definitely, you know, definitely at risk. But what I'm trying to say is that once you kind of accept that this is probably a lot of us are going to have it, but a lot of us will ne- maybe not really get the symptoms or get one or two of the symptoms and ne- not really suffer, then I think it's just easy to accept when you start hearing, oh my God, Boris Johnson's got it. Oh, Idris Elba's got it. Oh, you know what I mean? It's just a lot easier to accept the fact because I think the vast majority of us have it. We just don't know we do. And we never will um, categorically know because we're never going to get tested because you're not in those high risk rates or you're not rich enough to get your own private test. So you just kind of have to, you know, it's a like it or lump it situation. But yeah, um, it's definitely, it's an odd one. Um, I, You know, I sympathize with Italy massively. Obviously, I've got family out there. So luckily, as as of now, it would seem that my family are fairly safe. Doesn't seem to be anyone showing symptoms and whatever else. So that's that's good. Uh, but obviously, we take it on a day by day basis. Yeah. But it seems as if Italy is starting to slow down a bit and starting to kind of uh, get to terms with this. And obviously, my family live in Milan, is the worst affected area, so it's even more kind of precarious over there. But but yeah, just trying to keep positive. Look if if they my whole thing is just like it's one of my sayings i always say it is what it is and you know there's i always try to think there's no point worrying too much about something you have absolutely no control over so be that your job be that getting the coronavirus or whatever it may be you know if you like work yourself up into a panic you're just really doing yourself no favors so i'm just trying to keep a cool keep level-headed and you know if we find out so my family get it we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it if i find out i get it i'll cross that bridge when it comes to it if i find out i lose my job um we take it from there we'll take it from there you know my job's been reduced my hours have been reduced but you know keep things in perspective hopefully you know like my ceo said he said we're doing this so that you don't have to lose your job we're doing this as a precautionary measure so that in the future no one gets sacked you know uh, as in from the fallout of all of this so we'll take it from there you know look, my dad's situation he obviously is a restaurant owner in england when this first came out he was really kind of negative about the situation because at that time the government hadn't brought out any financial aids and my dad was like how am i going to pay all of this staff all of the suppliers pay for the lease and everything else when 
there's no income coming in. And then in two weeks time, that picture's completely changed and fair play to the government. You know, they've brought out massive um, programs that have really helped. And my dad's, you know, positive about the situation as much as you can be in a pandemic. So I just think, do you, hear, man? You, do you know what I mean? Oh, you yeah, just got to good. try and keep things chill and then cross things, cross those bridges when you come to them. For sure, man. So, but what I also hope is, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to happen where there are going to be many people who are not going to be able to get put back on or like, as in, I do think a lot of people will just lose their jobs. Oh, 100%. Yeah. What I think I really hope doesn't happen is that people then start to feel like their value or their, what they can contribute is less, you know, as in, I really do think if, I mean, I made a, like a wild prediction a while ago where I thought in the, in the near future there would be high unemployment rates, and then that it it was it was down to the people to decide. Okay, oh, was my value based on what I could do with the money I earned and what I did to get this money, or is my value on just what I can do for myself and the people around me? And I th- mm. and like like we're already seeing like people have lost their jobs, but it's definitely not making them any less useful. No, and, and, you know. and what is what your dad's saying about the shame thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you think about, we don't know what the economic fallout of this is going to be just yet, obviously, but there's predictions that it might be something similar to maybe the 2008 crash, or they may be slightly shorter. But even then, if you think about it, like the 2008 crash, that was brought on by human greed. Like that was our own doing in reality. I mean, not the majority of the public, we were completely innocent in it, but bankers are still humans um even though that might be hard to believe <laughs> and uh that was their own doing so we we had ourselves to blame and if they lost their jobs because of it, they had themselves win if you're losing your jobs now because you're a waitress or your company's gone bust or whatever it may be there's there is no shame attached to that whatsoever you know uh it's just it is just one of those things it is what it is and i think what your dad said is completely right you know there's no need to feel any shame about this situation whatsoever no, no, not at all. So, um, yeah. So, no, this is why, like, I am cautiously optimistic of what happens when the dust settles after after this. Yeah, let's um, talk about that. Like, yeah. there's there's a few things. There's kind of a few separate themes. Um, there's the environmental stuff. There's the economic stuff. There's the community side, the societal side of things. That um, you know, there's all different fallouts from that. Uh, I guess we should start off talking about the community side of things. I think that's maybe the most important and most pertinent to this podcast. But we said, um, you know, it's funny how the, we've felt a greater sense of community, even though we've been told to stay apart. Do you think that that's something that will kind of carry on? Or do you think that once people start to get back into their normal routines and start to live their busy lives again, that we'll start to ignore the person uh, that we walk past and we'll no longer um, say hello to our neighbors and we'll no longer do these communal things that we've started to do in this, in this time. I don't have an answer, right? And it's a hard question. I realized <laughs> that when I was asking, I was like, I am literally expecting him to have a crystal ball here, but just no. interested in your thoughts. Like you're normally more positive what, than I am. So what, I'm just like interested to see what you think. What I think is real interesting is how, why there is a bigger increase in the sense of humanity as in i already notice more and more people around my area are just saying hi to each other just walking down the street or you're in the supermarket and people are just going oh jesus mad isn't it so you know as in people all now are going oh yeah 
I have something in common with this person, so I can I can say hi or I can do this. But what I think is interesting is you have already so much in common with this person without this virus, mm. but you have given yourself this, I don't know, like whatever the way we live now, it's it's we think of ourselves as a bit more separate rather than we still have so many things in common with this person and that person and this person, and we still can do these things outside of these difficult times. Um, do you know what my take is on that? Like just to butt in quickly, I just think that what it was is that we're so interested in putting people in boxes, right? And so it's like, oh, what are you? Are you a lefty or you're a righty? Oh, I, I'm a right winger. Okay, cool. So you're you're this type of person. Oh, what are you? Are you a young person or you're an old person? Oh, I'm a young person, so I can't. I don't talk to the old people on my street or in my community because I have nothing in common with them. Oh, what are you? Are you a sporty person or are you a gamer? Oh no, I'm a gamer, so I, I stay at home. And so we just keep on doing. We keep on putting these people, everyone in boxes, right? Ourselves, we put ourselves in boxes we define ourselves by the box that we put ourselves in and these groups that we kind of affiliate ourselves with and i think that this coronavirus has just wiped that out completely and it's just made us realize that like the one group that we all pertain to is the human group and like we're all humans and that everything else is just a sack of shit like it's all like just superficial bullshit that we've just created for ourselves and we've got way too caught up in and it's taken a pandemic for us to realize that like i have no qualms with someone who's like you know who's votes for the right really like what does it really mean like have they come in and killed my mom like no like they just they they see the world in a different way it doesn't mean that they're the worst person but we're we're beforehand we were diametrically opposed you know it's this constant thing you're either in my team or you're my enemy there's no kind of there's no safe ground uh, yeah and in now the there's trenches. no visible visible enemy so we just have to go yeah. Oh, okay yeah yeah no and, and now we're all in the same trench together do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like, yeah, yeah but i mean yeah. we were always yeah we were yeah yeah it's so you know i'm a fan of some eastern thought and i do think that this thing is is teaching us two really important lessons that we so easy to forget one is that yeah we're all in this together like we are so connected on such a fundamental basis that you you can't even recognize until you have something like this and two nothing is guaranteed tomorrow is not guaranteed and i think you know I think so often they, that there is a lot of suffering because people have this misconception that they're, oh, yeah, yeah tomorrow and the next week and then this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you don't know, you know, <laughs> you don't know. And then I, I did. So to answer your question a few minutes ago, I think this will for sure have lasting impacts on people's opinion on whether or not, you know, next year is guaranteed the way it is now or 10 years is guaranteed the way it is now. And I do think that friendships will have will have been started and created during this, during which people have taken everybody outside their box and just seen this other person as another person experiencing this crisis. And I do think that maybe they wouldn't have had this friendship without the crisis. But I think when the crisis is over, these, these friendships will, will remain because then they'll go, oh, actually, this is also a person that's going through this at work or this also yeah. has these issues with their parents or also this thing. You know, we have just so much more in common <laughs> than we want to. But we want to identify by what we don't have in common. Literally, we, we try to choose. We, yeah, that's, that's, that's like it. I think as well, though, to add to that, like, 
we there's a part of okay yeah so tomorrow is not promised but also some of us maybe the more positive of us are thinking oh when we get back to normal and i think we have to really accept that there may not be a going back to normal i think that we have to accept that there is a potential that when this passes and i'm sure it will pass but that the world as we know it won't be the same again you know there's talks of real governmental uh, policy change coming in because of this like for the long lasting future and i think that maybe we have to be open to the idea that like society as we knew it won't exist you know and be open to that fact yeah i mean what, what's interesting is you see several of the the, the uk the u.s and in Ireland, they are providing very helpful, and in France and Germany, yeah, other countries that I don't know, um, other countries or other states are really helping out the people in terms of financial aid. And, yeah. um, you know, the U.S. politician, Alessandra something Cortez, AOC, she is talking about, she's been talking about this for ages. She's been trying to get the idea of a universal basic income. And she's trying yeah. to, she's using this as proof that it wasn't the fact that it couldn't be done. It was just a lack of political will. And another, yeah. another beneficial thing is that when the virus, um, hopefully when it reduces its, its large impact, people will, will kind of go, oh, so, for instance, in Ireland, they've kind of nationalized healthcare. For instance, so it doesn't matter whether you have private healthcare. That if you are struggling with this virus, you will be seen, which is great. But then, after this, you know, in six months' time, are they going to just bring it back? Mm. And then, and then, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be saying, well, "Why did you do it for this? And what is this person dying? Not irrelevant." And so um, I think there will be a lot more people just questioning. Um, like, it's funny, the states are doing really positive things, but it may actually force them. It may, <laughs> it's put them in a position now where they actually have to, will, will probably be expected to maintain such positive policies that we haven't seen previously. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think the question is, why is it taking a pandemic to bring about such positive policies? You know, um, which is a it's a dark question, to be honest, because I think the reality of that is is a fairly dark and horrible answer, um, which I think entails a lot of greed. But it goes to show that, like, and look, I'm not saying that the three, for example, in the UK, they've offered 330 billion um on the table for like businesses to help them get through this now i'm not saying that they won't have that that's not gonna have an economic impact i'm sure it will do i'm not saying that's free money but what it goes to show is is that there is money there maybe you don't have to offer 330 billion but there's there's money there that we're we're not privy to that and not just money but you know resources that we're not privy to that could at the, at the drop of a hat can be pulled well, out. Yeah, it's 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 not save that, the world. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like it's not hmm. money. It's it like it, they have just it's created resources. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so and I, I, you know, I've got I've got a few friends who work in the NHS, and it's funny. It's it's so funny because I always talk to people, right? And I yeah, I've got uh, friends from all over Spain, Italy, and everyone everyone who has a private health sector, they always think that their health sector is the best. So my Italian cousins like, oh, good job this is happening in Italy, in especially in, in Milan, because Milan has the best private health sector, public health sector, sorry, in, in the world. Spain are saying the same thing. And then English, the English are so proud of the NHS, which as they should be. But what's funny is, is that like, 
people are now realizing how important these public services are. And I think I really hope that um, we kind of shift our perspective on on the importance of certain jobs you know beforehand if you were a banker or a footballer or a or you know a broker or you know those big um jobs the big earners that was seen as it in awe right oh god look at him look at what he's doing but if you're a nurse people would just oh okay that's cool and no one really no one's gonna go home and be like oh you know my friend emily she's a nurse by the way like no one i mean no one cares and i think it's only now that people are realizing like the health sector, the public services, there, the police that are helping, you know, these in I'm certain countries, supermarkets, the supermarkets, the army, you know, in Italy, the army is being used to help control this. Like these are the people who are probably the most undervalued and, and in England are classed as low skilled workers, yeah, the, the right? The the construction workers. Yeah. And uh, they're the ones who are keeping this job, like keeping the countries afloat. Like in, in Spain, the bins get emptied every single night that hasn't stopped. And I said to Louise, I was like, imagine if it did stop. Imagine if the bin worker said, you know what, fuck this. Like, I'm not being funny, but why am I going to put myself out there to get coronavirus when everyone else in the world is, everyone else in the country stopped, was working from home? But imagine the chaos that that would cause. Imagine a month of lockdown and then a month of just people throwing like all of their food onto the streets, basically, and no one picking it up. Like, imagine the mayhem that would cause. But like I said, like, who cares about being a bin man before all of this stuff? Like, no one saw the importance of that. It's all these jobs that we don't really value. And I'm really hoping that it's more than just a clap at eight o'clock in the evening. I'm really hoping that like in the future, when this is all passed over and when this is kind of goes down in the history books, that we actually still revere these um people as much as we are doing now you know because it because in reality as cool as bankers are and however many millions they earn what the fuck are they doing now do you know what i mean like as cool as it is to be a footballer what are they doing now are they saving the world they're doing kiki up challenges with toilet rolls but like they, this they, is they, what i'm saying this is something though that i've been thinking about recently is that mm. everybody has their role to play and so, for instance, yeah, you say, oh, footballer or something. Yeah, I mean, what are they doing now? I mean, they did provide consistent years of entertainment for thousands, millions of people, you know, and th- that did help them in that area. And I'm sure they, these footballers are trying to do the small things for their local community also. And it's just... You'd hope so. You'd hope so. You don't know. But I do think you have to look at it holistically, but, you know, like people... Holistically, there it is. I knew it would come up once in this podcast. For sure. You do, though, because, yeah, you say, oh, yeah, we're the basketball players now. It's like, yeah, but, like, I'm not saying... I'm not justifying their high wages or something, but I'm also saying that, yeah, like, they, they did provide people with well-being. Or, no, and, no, and it's like artists or singers. You're like, oh, where are they now? It's like they've provided us with so much. I mean, some of my favorite artists are releasing albums now. That's gr- like that's huge for us, and that's their way of contributing, or that's their biggest way of contributing. You know? Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I agree, but uh, it's just what I'm trying to say. Maybe my maybe perspective will be my holistic. Will be my holistic. You know? Maybe I'm going to start saying perspective all the time from now on. But my thing is, can we just get it into perspective? I saw a tweet saying all well and good clapping the nurses at eight o'clock in the evening because England started doing, Spain have been doing that for two weeks. Italy have been doing that for longer. I think every country is doing it. Obviously England's only just recently gone into lockdowns. That's why they've only just recently started doing it. But um, someone tweeted saying, um, 
all well and good clapping the nurse at 8 p.m. Now can we make now can we change footballers' wages to the nurses' wages? Like swap, do a swap round, right? And like I laughed, like in, in a, like a <laughs> that will never happen. Which obviously the guy tweeting it knew it was never going to happen as well. I'm not saying that he's um, thick enough to believe that, but then. I started to question myself and I was like, well, actually like, let's just hold on a minute. Like in reality, why shouldn't that happen? You know why? Like I understand what you're saying. And look, I'm the, I've just, I was talking to my friend Craig before this about how much we're missing just any type of sport. I mean, we're sports junkies. So we love and football particularly, but the fact that there's no sport on whatsoever is just, it's horrible. And so I appreciate the value and that escape that they give people on the weekends more than more than most people do. However, when it comes down to it, you do realize that there are a lot of jobs that are so um, overvalued, okay? And the jobs that really keep every single country, st- you know, standing are the ones that are normally the least well paid. Now, I'm not saying that a bin man should, after this, get a, a get you know um, a raise to 250 grand a week. But what I am trying to say is that whilst the, the Alessandra Cortez is talking about a universal basic income, is there not something that maybe we could talk about about equaling the playing field? And maybe I'm not saying that uh, footballers should be on 15 grand a year, but maybe we can bring the footballers' wages down somewhat. And maybe we can start to increase the the you know the public's help the public services whether that's health teaching police armies uh you know the bin men whatever it may be I think I think that makes sense maybe it's just me being um too airy fairy and maybe being too positive but I think that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, it's ideal. <laughs> it's ideal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I do think like I said before, that, that these questions will become louder and more prominent as these months continue. I don't know if that will ever happen. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm hoping start. though. Yeah, but, but, I, I, but I think it's just more the presence of the constant questions will inevitably drip down into some sort of policy. It has to happen. I'm convinced it will happen. Um, yeah. I hope it will. Yeah, I mean, I'm, funny I'm is- convinced more because I want it to be. You know, I don't. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Live in hope. This is it. I mean, I, I, I do think um, a lot of people are going through some real tough times right now. But I do think there is a bit of a choice in to say, okay, what can I control? Okay, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do that? Okay, and then we we play it on a on a short basis, a day to day basis, week to week basis. Mm. And I th- and I think if you did that, you you would uh, have a great appreciation for life. Like imagine, man, I was only saying to a few of my friends, imagine the parties across the world after this, when you can like gather around other people. And you know, I mm. really think there's going to be such a, like a rich appreciation to going to a gig, to going to a football match, being able yeah, to just yeah. you do, like just for walk you. Walk in the park. Yeah, walk even in for the you. Park. <laughs> for me to be able to walk in the park, oh, I'm just going to lie on that grass for a good while. Just lie there to take it in. And like, like, this is why I do think it's nice to always, I mean, this is just like, for you, it seems like a massive experiment in taking something from you and then you will appreciate it so much more, you know? Well, it's, look, I'm just going to try to do something, Jim, because as it happens, as we're talking now, the Spanish people are actually, um, clapping so i'm just gonna see if i can get it on the mic
I don't know if that came through. It was, I was trying to make it come through. Don't know. Did you hear anything, Jim? Yeah, yeah, we got some of it. We definitely got some of it. There you go. Well, that's, I mean, talk about topical. But um, <laughs> what I'm trying to say Wait, is. Were they clapping like, for the podcast? Or? Yeah, they're clapping, they're clapping for that. Come on, Sam, you keep that recording. <laughs> we are living <laughs> for this point. <laughs> Is that comes there like standing like are you not entertained um <laughs> in my window <laughs> no but what but what i'm trying to say is that like trying to get serious again uh no but what um i agree with you but, but i just think as well is that is that saying isn't it was it um you, you never know what you've got until you've lost it or something along those lines um and that's like people want me to say that about relationships right like you never know what you've got until you haven't like, lost it talking about like an ex-girlfriend or something but this is like everything like you don't know what you've got until you lost it talking about a walk in the park talking about being able to go just down the road to see a mate talking about like just doing anything right um but what i what i found interesting as well though is that like talking about maybe like potential changes in society obviously the environmental one's a big one hopefully but um I think we got so caught up uh, in, you know, uh, in celebrities, like, you know, we were talking before about how we got caught up and putting ourselves in boxes. I also think we got caught up in getting overly um, inspired or, or kind of even brainwashed by these celebrities and putting them up onto this like deity status. Right. And that's just my personal opinion. Uh, Cause before you know, there's some people now, young people as they grow up and you say, what do you want to be? They say, I want to be famous. And if you ask someone in the fifties that, that that wasn't an answer because it just, you didn't have that. And I think because a lot of celebrities now also are celebrities because they don't even have a talent, you know, at least back in the fifties, if you were famous it's because you could do something extra special. Um, but what I found funny is, and we were kind we kind of spoke about this briefly, didn't we on, um, over WhatsApp, but is that a lot of the celebrities now who have been locked up, they um, haven't, you know, they've been locked up alone or with their families, but they haven't got their PR team. They haven't got their publicists. And so they're just going crazy as the rest of us are with their phones. And I think some of them are, ri- some of them are showing how good they are as people, which is commendable. And I'm sure they're getting more fans because of it, but some of them are showing, you know, who they actually are and that maybe we shouldn't be putting some of these people on such a pedestal. Uh, some of them are showing like a real self-indulgence um, and in a complete unawareness of reality of life. You know, I'm trying to keep perspective, but I'm a 23 year old who in reality, I do live paycheck to paycheck, but I know that I've got the safety net of my parents should all fail. I mean, they're not exactly millionaires, but I know that they could help me out for a couple of months at least, but I, even I'm trying to you know, keep perspective. I'm not trying to be woe is me. And then you see some of these people like Ellen DeGeneres and you know, people like that who, who on the face of things, if you watch their TV shows and you watch their normal social media, they seem the wokest people, the nicest people. Right. And then the, here they are sending videos on putting videos on Instagram and Twitter of how, how hard it is for them to live in their LA mansions of 300 bedrooms, a swimming pool, an Olympic size swimming pool, a massive garden, which is basically the size of the Savannah. And there's people who, who are really, really hard up. And I just think that I th- I'm hoping that maybe we kind of just take them off that pedestal and that we start to appreciate the real heroes that really help us in our day to day lives, you know, and that maybe we start to appreciate the nurses and the medics and put them on the pedestal that maybe Ellen DeGeneres, I'm just using her as an example, but others were once on. I don't know if you agree or, or what's your take on that, but. Well, I, I get what you mean. I mean, I, I did, I did see one video from Ellen DeGeneres. It's, 
it's more man i'm sure that they are trying somehow to like like i said i do think they're trying i don't think they're trying to you know flaunt or oh, look at the success i have where people are struggling but i also think it, it again could could serve as a wake wake up call for them and to realize okay why do i value buying these big houses and these massive acres if really when it's comes down to it this doesn't fulfill me actually what fulfills me is maybe being more connected with people in my community uh, this kind of thing so like it's easy to bash ellen the generous but i won't bash her if you know because we always do we all do stupid shit but it's that like what do we learn from the stupid shit and i think that ellen generous could, could maybe come out on the other end of it and maybe she starts doing other things and maybe she you know gets a degrade on her house and i don't know i just you know, no, 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 nobody's life is more important than anybody else's, you know? No, that, well, that's what, I mean, maybe you've come about it in a more holistic way, but um, that's what I'm trying to get across is that like, Always I think, holistic. I think, exactly. But I think we did, I think we did put, you know, when a celebrity dies, there's out, there's outbreak and there's, you know, outcry and everyone's like, Oh, it's terrible. But then when someone normal dies, it's like, Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean, like, I, I, in reality, I think that actually, a lot of us did value celebrities more than we valued our neighbor. Um, and I'm just hoping that like, we can kind of see that that's not actually important. And whilst like footballers and everything else, they give you a great escape on the weekends and, you know, musicians make great music, but let's just, I think what we should try to do or what I'm going to try to do from now on. Uh, I mean, I never really ha- like held celebrities in the massive, in a massive way anyway, but uh, what I'm going to try to do from now on is just see them for what they are. If someone's a great singer, they're a great singer. But that's all they are. They're a great singer. It doesn't have, they don't have to be like something this this deity, this demigod. Yeah, they're, they're just another you know? odd person like all of us. Exactly. Yeah. If someone's a if someone's a great football, what what that means is that they can kick a leather ball into a string net with a more proficiency, with a higher proficiency than the rest of us. That that's all they're good. Like that's what they're good at. But like, let's not make these people out into like, oh my god, he's the savior. No, he just scores a lot of goals you know and like let's just leave it at that and like i think if we can kind of keep again i'm going to come back to it it's my new thing but keep that perspective then maybe i think this the i think the world would just be a little bit saner you know i just don't like you know when you see these videos of people screaming because justin bieber walked down the street or whatever it may be it's like bro he just sings songs that is what he does. He sings songs but, and like you're screaming, but like when I, nurses walk down the street or a fireman walks down the street or your dad, who's a concierge or my dad, who's a restaurant owner, do they get screamed at? No, they don't get screamed at because they're just doing their job, man. Like, what they my dad do. Screamed at. Like, your dad deserves those screams. That's <laughs> fair. He's, he, Connor's a special man, but, but you get what I'm trying to say though. Like, let's just keep it all in perspective. That's my big thing. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if we should really touch on the environmental thing because obviously like we know we've seen the pictures in Venice, um, you know, of the dolphins and, and I mean, there's pictures all popping up all over the world showing how, how quickly the world is healing. But look, hopefully that will maybe make people more aware or people who maybe weren't so aware of what global warming looks like. Maybe it's showing us how quickly simple changes can lead to real big changes environmentally. But I mean, we're not an environmental podcast and I don't really have many expertise in that. I don't know if you do, Jim. Not currently. Not currently. No, <laughs> no, we'll work on it. Maybe for the next pandemic, we'll get that covered. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think we should probably leave that one. Is there is there anything else like maybe lessons wise that you're hoping that we can kind of take from this 
lesson wise i mean i, I think i've said what what i what i hope that we could take from it i mean i'm sure other things will come to us come to me but uh yeah i really do think that this can make us appreciate the smallest of things and yeah. make us live more on a, a more, on a more present basis you know less about next year and next holiday and this and this and the weekend rather just like here now <laughs> mm. yeah um yeah i also um, sorry continue go on, sorry, go on. No, no no go on go on go on no no you go you go you go okay well just just to add on to that topic quickly about like living in the moment um yesterday i recorded a podcast with michael which will be coming out um later on but we kind of he's a we spoke about like following your dreams in a, in a job sense right um going after what it is that you're truly passionate about and we i brought up briefly um the jim carrey quote which was that when he saw jim carrey when he saw his dad um lose a job that he didn't really care for he was an accountant but he didn't really want to be an accountant when he said oh i realize that you can fail at something you don't love i thought i might as well try and fail at something i do um in the same vein of like just be present don't take every like don't plan 10 years in advance you know just try to like make the most of everything i really hope um that this can if you if you are one of those unlucky people that has lost your job or maybe maybe you've kept your job but it's touch and go right or you or, or you've just simply worried about losing your job and now ultimately you have no control over that because their decisions are made by the ceos and whatever it may be you know that's my case um i really hope that this can inspire people to get after it and just to realize that like if you're planning to get after your like perfect job in 10 years time well maybe you don't have 10 years be it for the coronavirus or something else, like just go get after it now, you know? Um, it's a long process for some people, but I really hope that like seeing the fact that a job that you don't care about can be taken away from you because some people may have eaten some questionable animals in a faraway country. Um, if that doesn't kind of give you the jolt to maybe go for things that you maybe thought were unattainable beforehand. I don't know what will, but I just really, I, that's my big thing. It's my big thing is just going after something that you really want. Jobs are the things that we spend our most time doing. We spend for, a minimum of a 40 hour a week doing. So if, the, if you, if this can it's a, you know, inspire you to do something that you really love to do, I think that's a great lesson that we could maybe learn from this. And it's something that I'm trying to you know, work towards with this podcast and, and so on. So, so that's just my one little thing that I just wanted to add on. Thanks, Seb. Um, I agree with you. Um, I just wanted to end. I can't think of a better way to end than a fun fact, which was I was reading something today, and I I came across the German word for squirrel. Okay, and then I the German word for squirrel is das Eich Horkenhin. Okay, but it's its direct translation is small horned creature of the oak tree. But where's the horn? I don't get where the horn comes from. Like, do they have different squirrels in Germany that I'm not aware they of? They must have. They must have. Like, was it? Or, or, or maybe when this word came up, like there was just a different creature that now no longer exists that yeah. has just been banished to the annals of time. It because could be. It could be. Or, or maybe it's the tail. Are they trying to think of the tail as a horn? <sighs> I, I don't, don't know, man. I don't have the answers, man. I just know. Shout out to the Germans. Well, we need to find some Germans and just question them on this because it, it's it, it's perplexing at the very least. What is a horned? What is it? A horn? Say it again. <laughs> Sorry, it is the small small horned creature of the oak tree. 
And also, another question, lead-up question to this. I'm not expecting you to answer, but <laughs> I'm not a squirrel enthusiast, but are, do they only belong to and house in oak trees? I, I think, just assume that squirrels I think the oak are tree, the I think the oak tree is their, like, their mother tree. Maybe they hang around other trees, but oak tree is definitely the uh, the dominant tree that they they chill, they chill by. Um, what, is, what does the acorns come from? Is an ac- does an acorn make an oak tree? Again, I don't have the answer set. I only have the German translation, the English translation. <laughs> That's all I got. Let me, for just, let me just quickly check this acorn oak tree. Let's just see uh, the acorn. Yeah, or otherwise known as the oak nut. So there you go. There you have it. There we go. Um, Learn something new every day. But yeah, so we need to get some German. It's funny because you say this because I have, I used to have a friend that I used to live with um, when I was at uni and she studied German Mm -hmm. and they do have some like real literal ways of like their nouns are basically just like, like that a horned (laughs) creature of an oak tree. Like it's it's just an explanation for the bush, man. Nah, like, you know, like, a dog is just called a dog. Like, they'll call it some shit, like, I don't know, a four-legged creature yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, man's yeah. best friend. <laughs> like, they just, it's just an explanation is the noun. They don't really have a noun at per se. So maybe we should get, like, a German person on, and uh, we can do that in another squirrely episode. For sure. Uh, just popped into my head as well that the Russian for bear is the knower of honey. The knower? The knower, as in, like he knows. Oh, oh, oh! I thought you meant as in N O A H. No, like... no, 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 no. Like <laughs> the, this, the biblical this... person. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> this guy knows honey. Like he, he's just a connoisseur of the stuff. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Um, but that's like that's how they that's their name for it, yeah. That, that like in Russian, it's just one word, but if you break it down, it's the knower of honey. Yeah, Jesus. Man, maybe... I'm gonna try. Maybe I'm we should try do this at the end of every episode. Well, okay, here's a quick one. Right. Um, it's not as exciting, but like breakfast, it only recently occurred to me that that means break, break fast. fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or in Spanish, desayuno. Ayuno is the fast, which means, so breakfast in Spanish is desayuno, which is actually the unfast. There you fucking have it, people. That is what we're talking about here. Oh, now we're back. So, so maybe maybe we, should, maybe we should do this at the end of every episode. Yeah, man, that would be cool. Yeah, let's. Yeah, I'll, I'll be into that. Okay, cool. So, like, how do you start finding these words? Like, what do you type into Google to get this shit? No, as in, oh, man, I'm sure it will just come come into our lives now that we've made it a thing. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, man. I'm not too sure. It took me 23 <laughs> years to real to realize breakfast. <laughs> like, you're asking a lot for me to come up with one of these every two weeks. Now. Okay, leave it to me. Leave it to me. All right, cool. Okay. I mean, if I come up with something, I'll let you know, but yeah. Beautiful. Um, right, nice one. Stuff. So let's leave it there, guys. This has been an hour. Um, we don't want to put you through any more pain. So <laughs> thank you for listening <laughs> if you've got this far. Um, as always, like, subscribe, send uh, the message out, get the people to listen to the Earthy Delights podcast where you can get more fun facts about squirrels and bears. What um, else would you want? That is all you need in these strange of t- strangest of times, the strangest, the very strangest and squirreliest of times. I think, Jim, what we're going to do is we'll play it out, but instead of using the normal intro outro music, we'll play it out with the squirrely jingle. And that would make my day. Thank you.
Okay, that's that's what does this podcast justice. People, we love you. Keep safe. Wash those hands. Then that's when I think things get a little squirrely. Yeah, they have gotten squirrely for me. They get squirrely for all of us. Yeah. It's called life, man. It's, yeah. it's a fucking squirrely, Actually, the squirrely thing. Squirrely. Adjective one, mildly insane. Two, unpredictable and jumpy, often in a cowardly way. Three, nutty, resembling a squirrel looking for nuts. I read about some squirrely guy who claims he just don't believe in fighting. And I wonder just how long the rest of us can count on being free.